Blog Talk Radio. Clap your hands, everybody. Come on. If God's been faithful, then sing along with us. Everybody say faithful. 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 Faithful, 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 faithful is our God. Come on, all over the world. Faithful. Hey, faithful. Faithful, 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 faithful is our God. Come on, say faithful. 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 Faithful, faithful, faithful is our God. Yes, He is. Come on, say faithful. Faithful, 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 is, our faithful is our God. I'm reaping the harvest. I'm reaping the harvest God Take that what the devil stole from me, and I rejoice today. I shall recover it all. Yes, I rejoice today.
Good evening, everybody. Welcome to God's Hour of Truth. I'm your host, Apostle Ed Eberly. I'd like to welcome everybody here tonight to our program. And before we do anything, let's ask the Lord to bless this program tonight, okay? Heavenly Father, I just want to praise you and thank you and just worship you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful privilege to share your word to the people, Father. Father, we know that your word is truth and your word is life. And I pray that that truth and that life would enter into the hearts of those that are ministering to tonight, Father. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that lives will be changed. Uh, People will come to Jesus, sick bodies healed, people delivered and set free. All forces of darkness, all bondage must go. And, Father, I thank you that you're going to shine your light in this radio tonight, Father. It goes forth to the waves all over the world, Father. I just pray that anointing be upon it. Because you said it's not by power or might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And we pray, Father, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will move upon each and every one that's listening tonight. And, Father, for everything that's accomplished, we'll give you all the glory and the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. And they all said, Amen, amen, and amen. Okay, folks, tonight uh, we're on the second part of our series. In fact, the uh, series is called the, the Ball is in Your Court. The Ball is in Your Court. And you might say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Lord laid in my heart uh, some time ago to make a series or giving scriptures that really pertain to what you have a part in. You see, many Christians don't realize that we initiate these scriptures. It isn't God that initiates it that makes it happen. It's you and I that initiate it, and then it's through the Holy Spirit that's manifested. We have a part in this. You know, God the Father, 2000, in fact, a little over 2,000 years ago, he finished his part of the covenant when he sent Jesus upon the cross, And, of course, he died, buried, was resurrected, and then he came back to sit on the right hand of the Father. His part was completed. That was God's part for you and I. And he made covenant with us, though. His part was completed by the blood of the Lamb that bought all this force and provided all this force. But now our part of this is to fulfill this by acting upon this and making this a reality in each and every one of our lives and each and every life of those we come in contact with to bring others to Jesus. And this is what I I really worked on with this because there's many scriptures that I have, and I'm using these scriptures. They vary, but these scriptures are pertaining to very important things that we need to know in this very hour and the ones that will make a difference. So we have to know our part in these. What are we to do? What uh, is our part? How do we initiate them, you see? Because many people read the Word, and then they say, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. But do you ever look in the Scripture and see what your part is, uh, what uh, what's the condition of it? You know there's conditions to every promise. There's conditions to everything in the Word of God. Our very salvation is conditional. The condition is we remain in the faith and true to Jesus Christ. That's the condition. All these things are ours, but the conditions are upon them, and we must meet these conditions. So this is why I'm having this series right here, because we're going to take these words, and we're going to uh, see what it means and and what do we have to do to make this thing happen, because it's uh, a reality. These things should be real in your life and my life. 
these scriptures aren't just things that we know to preach and teach about or hear on Sundays or hear on Wednesday or midweek services or things that we just quote to one another about. These are life for us. This is a lifestyle. This is what we use to live our lives. You see, we use these scriptures to make our decision to live our lives. To uh, it's our source. It's a, it's our really our our uh, place that we put everything. In other words, it's our our compass. It's our compass to life, and everything is judged in the Word of God and by the Word of God. So we initiate these things in our lives. You see. And you'll see what I mean as we go along. This is the second week of this. This is the second part two. And there'll be a few, probably a couple more parts to finish with this. But the important thing is that you write these scriptures down, listen to these scriptures, listen to what I'll be teaching, but write them down and then you go back over them. And how does this apply to me, Lord? What am I supposed to do, you see? And also re-listen to this tape and, and give it to others to listen to in the video here or the audio because it's very important that you get these in your spirit because that's what will make the difference. Okay, where we left off right here, I'm going to pick up where we left off. And okay, all right. Uh, if you want to look it up in your Bible, you can or just follow me along. But by all means, write down the scripture to look it up after uh, I'm done here because it's important that you and the Lord get together alone and read these and ask him, now, what does this really mean to me? And then just put it into your life. Okay, the first one is Second Timothy 2.15. Steady to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, and needed, needeth not to be ashamed, rightly by the word of truth. Let me read that again. Steady to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, first of all, the hidden word is, you know what the hidden word in that scripture is? You steady to show yourself approved, not self-approved. It says steady to show yourself approved. That means you have to do that. God won't do that. He can't do that. Your friend can't do that. Your husband can't do that. Your wife can't do that. Your friend can't do that. Nobody can do that for you, but you must study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, but dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing it, that you learn and understand just exactly what that word of truth is and how it pertains to you personally. Because you see these words pertain to you and I personally, everything that's in the Bible. It's, it's a love letter to us. It's from God to you and I. And always look at it as a personal thing between you and God. Don't say, well, this is for my wife or this is for my husband or my pastor or my friend or I know somebody could use this. Because you need to apply it to yourself first and get the mode out of your eye, then we can get the, uh, or excuse me, the, the beam out of our eyes, then we can get the mode out of our brother's eyes, you see. We need to know and understand this and make sure we're walking in this before you try to tell others that they should do this, you see. So this is for each and every one of us here. So that means you and I need to study. We need to pick up the Bible. We need to read. We need to ask the Lord, what does this mean to me? What does this mean? We pray. We look up things. Uh, in the scriptures, we read them. And as we read them, he'll give us understanding. The Holy Spirit will explain these things to you. But you uh, have to get in there and to look yourself, you see. Use your Bible, the concordances. You look up in the Hebrew, the Greek. Uh, get the meaning of those words. Because some of the words in the King James aren't the best words. 
The King James is not a perfect translation. Some people would like to say it's one of the best translations, of course, but yet when you get into the original Hebrew and everything, there's some things there that are far more explanatory of what it really is. Uh, so you set your heart and your mind to study God's Word, okay? That's the beginning of it. Begin to study and ask God before you start to read, ask Him to help you to understand it. And another thing that's a good thing to do is read it out loud because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So if you read it out loud, you're hearing it, right? And that's building your faith up. That's more than just reading it, looking at it, you see. But speak it out loud. There's a creative force in that, and it does more for you when you speak it out loud. Okay, <clears throat> next scripture, Matthew 6.33, very familiar. Some of these will be very familiar to you. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Okay? Putting God first in your life, everything else will be added to you. Look at your life as a a lot of things involved. Okay? There's a lot of things about your life, your your job, your family, your your ministry, uh, your everything that you do, your family life, your friends. Everything. Look at it as a major thing of many, many things, many things made up. But yet, don't you try to put those things in order. Seek God first. Put him first in your life. Make him first in everything that you do. Uh, ask him when you go to make a decision, say, Lord, what should I do here? Should I start this business? Should I go here? Should I do that? Ask him. Put it, make Put him in the equation. And when you do that, when you put him in the equation and you ask him and you seek him first for what he wants to do in your life, then you'll find out that a lot of these other things will actually fall into place. But if you try to put things in your life into place and you kind of say, well, I'm too busy for you, God. I'm too busy to read, pray, or really think about you and, and take you into my life. I'm just so busy now. I need to make a living. I need to do this. I got this going on. I got that going on. You see, what will happen, you'll never accomplish anything. You'll just wear yourself out because you won't get anything in order. But I have found, you know, when I put God first, I pray, and I said, Lord, this is your day. You direct my path. And when I see opportunities, be a witness to him, minister to uh, people around me, the opportunity avails, and just be thinking about him and keeping him in my heart and my mind, I have found that these other areas of my life just seem to fall in place. It's sort of like a... Like a mold, you know, if you ever worked in a factory or worked with metal, which I did uh, many years ago as a machinist, uh, there's like a, uh, maybe like a uh, round piece of metal that has uh, uh, prongs on it that comes out that you fit into like a gear or something, like a bull gear that we used to make. And this uh, little fit over, and it would be the uh, uh, size that the bull gear is supposed to have holes drilled in. But the key to the whole thing was to take the main uh, loop or the main uh, thing that comes out there to go into the hole. You see the main peg that sticks in, line that up, because if we lined that up, everything else was in line, you see. It all lined up, but you had to get the head pin in order. When you get the head pin in order, everything else is right. And the machine shop, a lot of things that way, when you get one thing in order, the other things will fall into place or many other things in life. But especially here, what we're talking about, the spiritual things of the Lord, when we get that in order, we seek him first, 
everything else to be added, the finances you need, the direction you need to go, the peace you need to have, uh, things of life will just become easier for you, really. Even though you have challenges, of course, following the Lord, you have tribulation, you have uh, uh, all types of afflictions that will attack you, persecution, things like that, but I'm not really discussing that. I'm talking about the other things in life that you're going to be at peace about. You're going to be at peace about what you're doing. You're going to be at peace with him because you are pleasing him because you're doing what he wants you to do. So these other things attack you and come at you in spite of them. You can have peace and joy over them because you're in the will of God. You're in the perfect will of God, you see. You're doing what God wants you to do. So you're going to have a peace that nothing will shake you out of that peace. Really, really. When we're in that place with God, when we're pleasing God in that perfect will of God, uh, we have a peace upon us that your mind will say, how in the world can you have joy and peace and everything? Look what you're going through. Look what you're experiencing. But that's the joy that the Lord gives you, the joy of the Lord and the peace that Jesus gives you. He said, that peace I give to you is not the peace that the world gives us, but my peace I give to you, you see. And the peace he gives to you is above every circumstance in your life. So that's the peace of Jesus Christ. So that's the first and most important thing we receive, but everything else falls into place when we put him first. But you have to do that, you see. Uh, nobody can do that for you. We can tell you about that. Your pastor can tell you to do that. Your, your husband or wife, whatever situation will be, they can say that to you. Your friends can say that to you. But you have to do it yourself, you see. All right. <clears throat> Matthew seven twelve. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men do to you, do you even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What does that sound like at? right there? What does Matthew seven twelve sound like? Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is law and the prophets, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, that takes a little bit of thinking. But uh, as you think, when you go to react in a negative way towards somebody or say or do the wrong thing, would I want this to happen to me? Would I want, if you say, well, of course not, I don't want this to happen, I don't want that, then you don't do it to them, do you? Don't do anything to anybody else that you wouldn't somebody wouldn't want somebody to do to you because, you know, what you sow, you reap, Right? And if you sow negative seed towards somebody to do something wrong to them that you wouldn't want done to you, it can come back upon you more than one time, you know. In other words, God blesses us when we do things. He blesses us beyond what the seed we sow. He gives us a harvest many times. And you don't want a harvest of bad seed coming back of people doing things to you that you wouldn't do, that you do to them that you wouldn't want done to you, right? So... Don't do anything, say anything, or be anything that you don't want to come back on upon you. That that that's a, that requires some really some thinking, because people react and act and don't even consider that they're sowing bad seed when they do something negative to somebody else. That it can come back upon them. You see, so I have to watch myself in that. You have to watch yourself. We all do. Don't let your emotions carry you out there to say or do things you shouldn't do. Amen. Okay, Philippians 4.13, there again, you have to do that. You have to do that, you see. Now, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. There again, 
you, you see, getting to see what this series is about, you, what you have to do, you see. You initiate it. In other words, you begin something, you initiate it, and then the Holy Spirit helps you to do it. The Holy Spirit doesn't do it. You initiate it, and he does it through you. He just doesn't just do it. He does it through you, but that means you have a part to initiate that he can do it through you. God wants to do things through you. It's his vessel, see. Okay, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Everything that he would have me to do, no matter what it is, I can do it. I can do all things through him because it's not my power, it's not my ability, but it's his power and ability that does the job, you see. All I am is the mouthpiece, or remember, you use my hands and my feet or, or whatever I use, but anyhow, he's the one that anoints it and gets the job done, you see. He does that, you see. So therefore, I can be bold and say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I'm an overcomer because he's the one that does it through me. I'm relying on his power, not on my power or any past mistakes that I've made or, or failed in some area because of myself. But no, I can do all things through him, and that's it, you see. You have to end it with that, say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, and don't give any uh, uh, thought about, it. oh, I can't do this because maybe this won't happen. I messed up before or something like that when I went to do something. No, you don't consider that. Don't consider failure. God never considers failure when he has you to do something. You know that? When he asks you to do something, he's not uh, planned for failure. He sees the, the finished product. You know why he sees the finished product and everything done right? Because he's going to direct the steps for you. But it won't be a finished product and won't be right if you don't follow his leading, you see, if you don't do it his way. See, God knows how to do it, and he knows how to do it perfectly. So he says, hey, you can do it through me. But then you have to hear his voice and obey him and do what he wants you to do. It's about following the Lord, you see. Through him, there isn't anything that can stop us. But if we try to get out on our own abilities or whatever it might be, that's where we mess up. Okay, see where I'm coming from? See how important this is? Because these are areas that most people don't think about. And then they wind up getting in a jam and they say, oh, Lord, I need a miracle. Oh, I messed up. I need a miracle. They should, in fact, most of the time, we need miracles because of the mess-ups. Now, that's not all the time. We need miracles. Don't get me wrong. I, I need miracles constantly. But some of the miracles we need are because of our mess-ups. We shouldn't need the miracle there if we would have followed the Lord in the first place. We wouldn't have got messed up, right? Okay. First Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. All right, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. That's something you have to do. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do with people. People are, are there's a need in their life. They're going to lose their job. They're going to lose their home. Or they have health problems. They have uh, whatever problems, critical problems. Uh, you want to try to, first of all, want to try to work on that. And how can I work this out? What can I do? Well, the Lord simply tells us, Give me, you give me that problem, that care. Cast that upon me, that challenge that comes your way. You give that to me, and I'll give you a light burden, Jesus said. He said, I'll, I'll, you give me your heavy burdens, and I'll give you a burden you can carry, which is light. You cast that care upon me, and I, not only will I give you peace about 
about the situation, but I will do it, you see. It won't be your ability or inability to do it, but I'll do it. And when I do it, it's done right, you see. I'll do it my way to benefit you where you wouldn't know how to do that because you don't know what's best for you, but I do know what's best for you, God would say. So he said, you give me that thing. Take it back from me. Just give it to me because if you take it back or try to take it back, then I, I stop working on it because you want it back, and I can't work on things with your hands on it. You just turn that thing loose with your hands, keep your hands off of it, and just consider me working on that thing no matter what you're seeing about that care that uh, are there. But just you have my peace and say, Lord, it's working this out. It's taken care of. I'm not going to be fearful or worry about it because the Lord has it. He's taken care of it for me, and I trust God. I cast my cares upon him, and he said he will do it, you see. Jesus said, whatever you have need of, you go to the Father in my name, and he will do it. So we have to believe that simple teaching right there. But we have to exercise that when we're tried or when we're challenged that we really trust, we really believe God and thank God for it, you see. We have to anchor our faith in that. That's where it needs to be. That's why it's important, as we said in the first verse, there are the steady to show yourself approved. And it goes beyond that. But it begins with studying and learning and understanding because if you have no understanding, you don't know how to do these things. And that's why I'm on here tonight. That's why I'm teaching and sharing these things, to help you understand some things and, and get you to the place that you will get in there, and the Holy Spirit will take over and he'll direct you where you'll have great understanding of things as the Spirit leads you. All right. Here's another one. James 4, 7. Notice you cast your care. Put you in front of that again. Another one is James 4, 7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You submit yourself to God. You say, Lord, I'm yours. I give myself to you. I give myself to you. Now, resist the devil. So what does that really mean? Well, you submit yourself to God, then the devil is going to come after you, isn't he? He's going to come after you. So what are you to do about it? Are you to accept that or allow him to do it? You're to resist the devil. And he says he'll flee from you. You know how you resist the devil? Don't listen to what he says and use the authority you were given in Luke 10, 19, and 20, uh, the, the authority over all the spirits. You have the authority over Satan and all the spirits in the name of Jesus to cast them out. Amen? You can cast them out in the name of Jesus. You have authority. In Jesus' name, they must go. In Jesus' name. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 also tells you, that we're to cast down all imaginations and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought. So he brings thoughts in your mind. You know, that's how he resists him. Thoughts come into your mind from the devil. That's how the devil starts to come into you through your mind. And right away when it's that type of a thing, you cast it down. Recognize the thoughts there. Is it a thought from God or a thought from the devil? Now, to know that, you have to show yourself steady and approved, Right. So that's why we need to work, know the Word of God, that we will know if it's from God, if it's from the devil. If it's from the devil, you don't listen to it. You just cast it down. What did Jesus do when he was on the mountain? When he first, the first thing that he did, he went to the mountain for 40-day fast. The first thing when he was uh, tempted by the devil, he didn't talk to the devil. He used God's Word. He used what God said. You see. He, he said that. He didn't start to debate with him or anything. He just quoted the Word. And that's what 
you do when the devil comes against you, tries to make you sick, by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. I don't receive that, Satan. You're unlawfully trying to get into me. You will not do it in the name of Jesus. I command sickness of these away from me in the name of Jesus. You take authority over it, you see. That's how you resist him. You resist him by casting down the thoughts out of your mind, as I quoted there, or taking authority, or, and taking the authority, rather, of, of, uh, of the word that tells you that we are to cast down. We have authority to cast out spirits, you see. So you must take that action, though, you see. Uh, if you don't, uh, what will happen, he'll take advantage of you, see. But you have to cast those things out. And cast those thoughts down, and you don't give heed to it, you see. It's a listening and talking about it and allowing it to build up in you that brings fear into it and gives you the sleepless nights. We just don't pay any attention to it because the Word of God counteracts it. Okay? You have to do that, though, right? Now, the eighth verse that follows that, it says, Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. <clears throat> you draw nigh to him through prayer and praise and just commit yourself to him. Tell him you love him and read his word and, and uh, fellowship with him and prayer and all. That's how you draw near, and he'll draw near to you, it says. So it's a two-way street. You initiate it. Again, that word initiate, you do it first, and he'll follow up. But he looks for the opportunity for you to invite him in. You see, he doesn't butt in. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit doesn't force his way in. It's by invitation only. You draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. You give to me, I'll give to you. So it's up to you. There again, the ball is in the court, the title of the uh, the message. The ball is in our court, you see. But if we don't take the ball in our court and act on it, we could say, I'm waiting on God. But what, what's he going to say to us? He's going to say, you draw to me, or then draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. But you see, you need to draw first, but you're waiting for him to draw first. That isn't how it goes. You draw near, and then he'll follow up. Okay? Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. What you know you're doing wrong in your life, any bad thoughts, bad actions, any jealousies, any hates, any unforgiveness, all this stuff in the mind and any bad habits, things that you do of the flesh, uh, you need to... Cleanse yourself of them. Ask God to help you with that and set you free. A matter of fact, there's a scripture in Romans 8.13. It says, we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the flesh. So you ask the Holy Spirit to help you with these things. And he will, but you have to choose and mean it. That Hey, I want to get rid of these bad uh, uh, attitudes I have. I want to get rid of this. I, want, I forgive so-and-so. Or I want to give up this habit of smoking, of of drinking or any other thing that you shouldn't do, pornography or any anything, drugs, uh, Lord, help me to do that. And if you really want his help and you mean that, he will show up and show out. It's, many times the problem is many people say they want it, but they don't really want it the way they should want it. You need to be at the place of, hey, I just want it. I can't deal with this no more. Lord, I can't deal with this no more. I need your help. I give myself to you. Now, Lord, I need the power to live for you. And that's what I did uh, way back in 1971 when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence speaking in tongues. God set me free. I knew nothing about nothing, but there are the two words, the two words, I give it all to you. Uh, but I need the power. I need your help because I cannot accomplish it in myself. And when you actually really mean that in your heart, 
I promise you by the word of God that it will work for you because they're the words that God wants to hear, and that's what the Holy Ghost is listening for, and he will leap out there right away upon you in that situation to aid and help you. But you must do that. You see, that's your part. There again, the ball is in your court. The ball has been in our court, and I'll tell you, I've made mistakes in this area, and that's why we all need taught in this thing. That's why we all need to make sure that we are not the problem, make sure that we are doing our part, and then when we do that, then we're all right. But many times it's because we aren't doing our part that we aren't seeing the results of the Word of God. All right, and it says you double-minded. Double-minded is simply saying, I believe the Word of God and then doubting it. Then I believe it then doubting it. Don't let unbelief come into your life, you see. Uh, that's why it's so important to read and meditate upon the Word of God and pray and then work the Word of God in your life. Like I've been telling you here this, since the uh, message began, do these things because you're going to see that God is really real. He really does these things. He is that provider. He is that healer. He comes into your life and aids you where you need help. He directs your path. You're going to know reality, and therefore you will have faith and confidence in him because God isn't just a figment of our imagination or a a Sunday service or or just something that uh, is trillions of miles away. God is right here with you right now. He's right with you. His presence, the Holy Ghost, the Bible tells you, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, Jesus says that through the Holy Ghost. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He's the greater one inside of us. He's in our presence right now, right now as I'm teaching right now. He's in my presence. He's in your presence in these words. He's there. The Holy Ghost is there listening for you, listening for me. Okay? Now he says here, Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Well, you know what I call humbling myself? Well, a lot of times you hear the word humble. And that's simply knowing who you really are without Jesus Christ, knowing who you are with Jesus Christ, and knowing who God is. And living accordingly. Knowing you who you are in Jesus, but knowing who he is. And when you know that and you keep that in, in place, that's humility. Because you're going to know that you can come to the, bold, the throne boldly, as it says in Hebrews 4.16. You can come boldly uh, through the, the throne of God in time of need and time of trouble. You're going to know that you just come to the Father in Jesus' name and he will do it. You know that uh, it's not by power might be by the Holy Spirit, not you that does it. You're going to know that he does it. And you're going to know that everything he does, is, is everything that's done is through him. And Jesus, you're going to know, told you, and he told me, without me you can do nothing. You're going to know that you are helpless without the Lord. And the more that you learn about the Lord, the closer you become to the Lord, the more you're going to recognize how much more you so desperately need him. The longer I live, the longer I serve God, the more I learn, the more I know that, man, I am helpless. I am nothing. It's all him. It it really is all him because if he's not there, it's dead. The only life is in Jesus, life and light. If his life and light is in our hearts, then we have that, you see. But without that life and that light of Jesus Christ, it's darkness, you see. He's everything to us. All we are is a hunk of clay 
with great treasure in these earthen vessels. That's what we are. But he gets all the glory, all the praise. There's no great man. There's no great woman. The only one that's great is the Lord himself. Okay? But recognize who you are. Fear humility and fear the Lord. Fear the Lord and humility are riches, honor, and life, the Bible tells us in Proverbs. Through humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. We humble ourselves knowing what I just shared with you there and reverence him for who he really is. Reverence him for who he really is. He loves that. He blesses us for it. But we must see him, respect him, and honor him as he is. Okay, another scripture I love, I use this a lot, 1 Corinthians 9.25. And here's how it goes. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they that do it to con- obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Okay, if you're striving for the mastery, that, that's a very simple thing. We're going to bring down a simple understanding. If I'm tri- striving to be a master of something, like if I want to be a professional bowler, if I want to be a professional boxer, if I want to be a professional uh, businessman, if I want to be a professional anything, golfer, uh, whatever it might be, I must have self-control. You say, what do you mean if you want to be a professional, you have to have self-control? You know what I mean by that? That means that if I want to be a professional in anything, I have to do what it takes to be a professional, so therefore I have to have control over my flesh to do the things I don't necessarily want to do, but I must do them in order to achieve and become a master at what I'm doing. I must take the time. I must put forth the effort. I must deny myself. I must put this first in order to obtain the crown, you see. I'll tell you, uh, when it comes to that scripture right there, when I, when I just read right there, 1 Corinthians 9.25, temperance is self-control. That is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22.23. Temperance, self-control. You must be able to control self. You cannot have God's control in your life to make you anything, whether it be a great minister, a great golfer, a great businessman, a great any sports figure. You cannot have God's help in your life till you have self-control. God will not help you. Without your self-control, you will never get God's control. You ask, well, why not? Well, how could God control you if you don't have self-control? Because God would tell you something, and if your flesh wouldn't want to do it, you'd say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not, I don't feel like doing it. I don't like to do it. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. You see, you've got to get that, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do this because it feels good. I want this. I don't want to do that. That's too hard for me. Oh, that's too rough. I don't want to do that. When you have that kind of an attitude, you won't be successful at anything. You can't be because God has no control over you if you don't have self-control. Now, will God help you to have self-control? Yes, he will. If you ask him, because look what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. Jesus was uh, asked, that, well, the Father said to go to the cross. He wanted him to go to the cross, right? And Jesus said, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he agonized so strongly with that thing that came against him, that situation of going to the cross, his blood vessels burst in his head and blood rolled down his forehead. 
And that very blood that he shed in his forehead gave you and I the ability to say no to our self-centered wills and say yes to the will of God, the will to do the right thing, you see. Because God made the way through his son, I have that anointing and power in my life that I can do that. Now, uh, I can do it. I have the ability to do it. You have the ability to do it. But we have to do it, don't we? I can still say, no, Lord, I have that ability to do it, but I'd rather do this. I'm just not going to do that. I have a choice. I can make a choice because God gave me a free will. But I have the God-given ability, and you have the God-given ability to make the choice to do what the right thing is, what God wants you to do, and whatever it is to attain that crown in order to do it, you say. You have the ability. But it means you have to be sacrificing things. It means you have to do things you don't want to do. Because uh, you just can't live a life of doing just what you feel like doing when you want to do it and how you want to do it. it. Life isn't that way. Life is full of hardships and situations and trials. Uh, if everything is uh, uh, cream and roses or honey and roses or whatever you want to call it, uh, it would be wonderful, right? But it's not that way, life, because there's a price to be paid. There's a price to pay serving the Lord. There's a price that we must pay. So you see, in order to do these things, you and I must be willing. We must give our will to the Father, okay? And we're going to learn a little bit farther or a little bit further down here what we have to do in order we can be in that way. There's one thing we have to do, and uh, I'm going to share that with you probably in a few minutes when I get down that far tonight. Okay, the next thing, my son, attend to my word, incline thine ear to my sayings, okay? We take the word of God. We give attention to his word because that's the only word that counts, the word of truth, the word of truth. So that is it. That is our nucleus. That's the nucleus of everything that we do right there, okay? It's all based upon the word of God. And it says right there that we are to open our spirit to hear, our spirit man's ear to hear what the sayings are, not just the ear that you're listening to me speaking tonight, but with our spiritual ears. Your spiritual ears should be giving you things right now. What I'm talking about is through the Spirit. It isn't necessarily the things I'm saying, but truth that he gives you out of your spiritual ears or revelations or better understanding or applications for you to apply in your life. And he says, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep those words before you continually and keep them in your heart. Think about them, meditate on them, keep them in there. Because, you know, how you really tell what's in your heart is how you react whenever it's, uh, a, uh, something comes against you. And I'm, I'm going to name something really simple. If, if I'd be hammering a nail in, uh, in a board and I was to miss the nail and hit my finger, what's the first thing I'm going to say? You see, that tells me what's in my heart. Okay, my wife was in an accident many years ago, and the Lord spared her life. It was a miraculous situation. But what happened? That car was broadsiding her, coming to her side where she was a passenger, flying down the road, right? What she said, she didn't curse her or say something bad. Jesus! Jesus came out. That's the word that came out. What's in your heart whenever something comes your way? What's in your heart? If somebody tells you you're sick, is it, oh, my, I'm not going to make it? Or is it, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, you see? That's what we're talking about, keeping in the midst of your heart. Don't let it depart from your eyes, because if you think like the world and speak like the world does and the world's mouth comes out of you right there, 
You don't have that word in your heart. The word of God, when you're under pressure, should come out of your mouth. It's come out of your actions. Your actions and your words should be the word of God under pressure. It's easy to say it right now. All these things are simple to say. But when you're under real pressure, you get to learn yourself. You know what you are made out of, and you know what you're not made out of, and you know where you need to improve. You see, it's under pressure. Pressure can be a blessing to you. In fact, any resistance that's coming your way is a blessing because your spirit man is being tried or tested, you see, challenged. And that's like your physical man. If you want your physical man to be strong and muscular, you must take iron, barbells, weights, everything, and do exercises, lift weights, things like this, where resistance to that weight is there, and you're pulling against that resistance and pushing against resistance, which develops the muscles. And that's the same with your spirit, man. You're resistant. The forces of darkness that come against you, the things that come against you that challenge you, uh, all the things that, that, that come your way that uh, would be negative or whatever, you use your faith in the Word of God, and that builds muscles in your spirit, man. It's the same thing. You can't separate the spiritual from the natural. There's pain in the natural when it comes to getting physical muscles, and there's pain in the spiritual to become a strong spiritual person. Challenges. It's painful, folks. If you're looking for a painless thing, forget it. You're never going to be a strong spiritual person. You'll never make it. I mean, I'm telling it like it is, folks. We've, we've pulled around too long with this coddling foolishness. It's time that some people grow up in the Lord. It's time you grow up. If you don't grow up, the devil's going to take you out. Okay. Proverbs 4.22. God's words are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Life and health are in the word of God. Life and health. Life and health. All their flesh. Your whole life is in the word of God. Outside the word of God, like I said just seconds ago, the devil can take you out. Many people, the devil is taken out because of these things. They aren't in the word as they should be. They aren't obeying the word. Uh, death before their time. We're not doing this right, not doing that right. And we certainly need to really line up with the word of God and really commit ourselves like we never did before. Because in this time is a, a time that I never even dream would ever happen what we're experiencing right now in the realm of the thing and nobody has but i'll tell you what we're coming out of this thing and we're in for the greatest revival ever uh things i might this program isn't about that but i have prophetic words that i know about that plus things have been confirmed there's other been other prophetic words come out so i'll tell you what it isn't the time to be down and out and miserable and fearful this is the time to shop because the good days are coming the good days are coming for God's men and women now. If we remain fast and stand fast, be not weary and well-doing for your reaping due season if you don't faint. And that due season is in 2022 and a lot of things. Okay? All right. Let's go to another verse here, the 23rd verse. It says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of it are the issues of life. Guard these words that I'm talking about tonight. Guard the words of God, the word of God, as carefully as you can and protect them because they gear everything about your life on this earth and everything about going to heaven. In other words, your life period on earth as well as going to heaven are all hinged upon these words. 
to be mighty careful in guarding and very serious about these words because they have you at stake, your life and your souls at stake by these words, okay? Your life on this earth and your very soul is at stake by the word of God because it's through the word of God that we have all these things. We must be diligent about it and very serious about it because it's so it's the most important thing that we have going bar none there's nothing more important than what i just said there we guard these words it's all diligence because it's all in god everything everything can god <clears throat> okay romans 12 start with one or well, one and two we usually say those words together uh, romans 12 where do i do romans 12 one and two I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Well, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. If it's, a, if it's the temple, it's the Holy Spirit. In other words, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit dwells in our bodies. Does the Holy Spirit want junk in our bodies? Uh, does the Holy Spirit uh, want things that aren't right in there? No. He said, "He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a sacrifice. That means sacrifice and holy, obedient, serving God, not allowing the things of the devil to be in there, acts and actions and attitudes of the devil. But the Holy Spirit is there, and there's not light and darkness cannot coexist. It's either light or it's dark. There is only darkness where there's no light. Where there's light, there's no darkness. So you see, Holy Spirit is light, so therefore darkness has no right in there. And you know, stop and think about it. If the Holy Spirit is within you and the power of God, as we quoted a few minutes ago, what in the world is darkness doing there and coming in there and you allowing the darkness to come in? Me allowing the darkness to come in, any of us, you see. Cast it out. Stop thinking about it. Cast it down. Don't even give it the thoughts, you see. You and I have to do that. We have to cast the thoughts down. We have to cast the devil out, you see. By the word of God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Because, hey, if you say, get out of here in the name of Jesus, I cast you out, and you just cast the thoughts down and refuse to think about it, that's resisting. And what's resisting? What will happen to the devil if you resist him? It says he'll flee from you, right? He will flee from you if you resist him. But if you don't resist him, and you just receive those things and meditate upon them and become fearful. And just and He can see that. You see, he can't read your mind. He can see how your actions and your reactions. And if he sees he's got you all shook up, what will happen is uh, he won't flee from it. He's going to pound it on all the harder. When he sees he's got a hole or an opening, he's going to make that hole bigger and bigger and bigger. He won't be satisfied that he destroys your life, takes you out, and gets you in hell. That's what the devil's trying to do, to kill us and get us in hell. That's his ultimate goal, to kill our being, destroy our being, our testimony, kill us, and wind up where he's going to be going very shortly. Okay? That's a reasonable service. That's a reasonable service, and that's what's acceptable to God, a holy living. Be ye holy as I am holy. You know, the two things in this hour, this very hour that are left, the two things left this this hour. One of them is holiness, which is the most important thing, or the fruit of the Holy Spirit, really. And then the gifts of the Holy Spirit are second, or the power of God. 
but first is holiness, because if you have the power of God in operation and you don't have holiness, that's a reproach upon the gospel, you see, because our character must be holy, or otherwise we bring reproach upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. So therefore, the fruit of the Holy Spirit must be flowing in your life and my life. The gifts of the Spirit we must be open for and allowing them to flow through us. Because that's the character of Jesus. That's the ability of Jesus. When Jesus said in John 14, 12, the things that I do, so shall you do even greater things, he was speaking of that right there because you, you are like Jesus' character through the fruit. You are like Jesus' ability through the gifts, you see. Or otherwise you couldn't do it. If he did it in his God's power, I could say, well, I'm not God. I can't possibly do the thing you said I can do. I say, John 14, 12, you, you said Jesus the thing that you do, I can do. Hey, you're God. I'm not God. I'm a man. But he said, no, son, I've given you the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the gifts, and if you obey them and allow my Holy Spirit to teach and help you, then he will do that, you see. All right. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by, this is the 12th verse, excuse me, Romans 12, 2. That's following the one that speaks about giving our bodies a living sacrifice. This is the second part. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be like the world. Don't try to be like them so they'll accept you and you won't be an oddball around them. Don't try to act and be like that and just play the role when you're with them, like be like the world when you're with them and be like the church when you're with them. Don't do that. That's a hypocrite. Let your light shine. Your, let your light shine is what it's about. We're to let our light shine, period, you see. Whether we're in a group that's sinful, uh, whether we're in a good group, whatever it might be, be a Christian man or a Christian woman doing the things that the Word tells you. Don't compromise your belief in the Word of God to save face or because you're afraid of what people might think or say. Never do that because you're not confessing the Lord there. And Jesus said we're to confess the Lord before mankind if we don't. He said, your father, my father won't confess, I won't confess to my father, you before him. And a lot of times we think, well, that means winning people to Jesus. Winning people to Jesus is part of it. But by standing on his principles and living the way he wants you to live before the dark world, letting his light shine through you is confessing Jesus also. You confess by how you live and what you stand and what you support and what you believe and what you're... Uh, principles are you see your principles standing against people that have no principles and we certainly see that today but you stand against those people have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but reprove them ephesians five eleven says we reprove them we don't stand with them and say oh i'm afraid of you no you're not afraid of him you're not afraid of them you're going to stand up with the word of god says because these people either change or they're going to go to the hell that's what's going to happen, because this time is coming very close, folks. And so you and I have to stand by the Word of God. And I'll tell you something else in the spirit right here, prophetical word. God is very, very, very angry right now about the situation, what these people are doing. And he's angry at people that are Christians that are not making a stand as they should. He's disappointed and angry. So I'm telling you, God is getting ready to show up and show out in ways that some people never saw before, and they're going to wish they weren't the way they were. Judgment is coming upon people that are evil. A lot of things, there's going to be a lot of things going on this year. Judgment is going to fall because 
God is not Santa Claus in the sky that lets people get away with things. We are accountable to him. And then we that are serving God or obeying God, he is going to bless us like we have never known before and use us like we've never known before. I I see these things happening now. These things aren't just something I'm just telling you people, but I'm experiencing some of them in in an elementary way as we begin in these things. But this is the way it is, things that God has told me and showed me, and I'm even discussing here. But this this is really where it's at. And uh, like I say, in closing in this last verse right here, we can prove what is good and perfect and acceptable in the will of God. We can please him that way, you see. And that's what we do. We aren't conformed to the world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, knowing the word of God in our mind and our heart, and through our life. It says you will prove the good things and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. So if I live my life according to the word of God in my mind, my actions, my deeds, I will prove by my life the perfect will of God. They'll see an ad, hey, an ad is what God's perfect will is about this. And you, they'll see it. And that's what he wants for all of them. And what does that say up there in that first uh, uh, Romans 12, 1, before Romans 12, 2? reasonable service. That isn't a medal of honor winner. That's not a general. That is what he expects out of each one of us, to be living a life that shows his son in our lives. Amen? And I'm going to close on that right right there right now. But just think about that once. We need to be showing Jesus, not self. They, people haven't seen the real Jesus. The real Jesus has not been shown the way he wants to show him. But you're going to be seeing the real Jesus through God's people. That's happening, too, because things are beginning to happen now that they'll recognize that Jesus is the Bible, Jesus, what the Bible says about Jesus. And all these things are coming up. So these are just a few of the verses. Uh, Next week we're going to be picking up part three of this right now. And uh, I want you to take these verses, read them, and what, what do they mean to me? Ask yourself and let God teach you and show you. Because if you walk in these verses and you know it, if you listen to the last uh, part one and this one, you'll know you get these verses in your heart and you walk in these, you're going to be a mighty man or a mighty woman of God or a young man, young woman, or whatever it might be, because that's all it is. But if you notice in everything thus far, you have to do it. You do it. It isn't God that does it. You do it, but then God gives you that strength and the ability, and he does it through you. But you've got to jump off off that couch and say, I'm going to do it, and you do it. And you're going to find you're going to have an empowerment, and it's going to be a complex. And you're going to say, wow, I, wow, I didn't think I could do Wow, look at that. Ooh, look what happened. Because you're amazed by what happens to you, saying, man, I didn't think I could do that. I didn't think I had that ability. Wow. He proves himself to you, and you know there's more than you there. You know the greater one's in you. And that's what's so neat about it, folks, knowing your God's within you and knowing he's there to help you. And your faith is being built up that you can face this life with a smile on your face and with the joy of the Lord in your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this word tonight. Lord, this word blessed me as I was even teaching, speaking this word, preaching this word. It blessed me. I thank you for it, Father, because I know it's not my word. It's your word to the people. It's you. It's life, Father. It came from you. It didn't come from me. It came from you, and you back up your word, and you have that ability, Father. And I truly thank you for that. And I would just pray now, uh, myself and everybody here, this this, uh, audio right here, 
right now, I just ask that your anointing would be upon them right now, and they would be what you desired them to be. You said in Philippians 2.13, that you that works in them to will and do your good pleasure. And I ask that you would will to do your good pleasure, beginning with me and everybody else on down the line right now. I just say that prayer conclusive to everybody right now, that your good pleasure would be done in each life. And I just pray your special blessings upon each one tonight and the newness to you, that they would uh, they would start out a new life. Give them a new life tonight, those that are seeking that new life. Whatever they're seeking now, I just declare it done. Healing, deliverance, salvation, everything that is needed right now, just meet them where they're at, Father. Meet them where they're at. So you just meet the Lord where you're at right now. You meet him. Just meet the Lord. Because uh, I'm going to be signing off here in a minute. And you just meet the Lord. You just come back in your bedroom or wherever you can get with the Lord. And just meet him and just pour your heart out to him. Just say it to him. Because he'll meet you, you see. That's what gives me real confidence when I say that to you. Because I know how this works. And when he comes uh, across to you, what will happen? You'll, you'll know his presence. And when you, once you meet him, you never forget him. Once you know how real he is, you, just, you won't forget him because you know he's for real. So I want you to go back and just pray and just let him help you and what you've heard and learned tonight. Whatever you got from this message and these verses, write these verses down if you didn't or listen to it again and write them down and listen to it because these are life. This is the light of life right now, okay? All right. Well, listen, I want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. And I invite you all back here. The next session will be part three. I don't know if there'll be a part four or not, because I got a little bit more done tonight than I thought. Uh, so anyhow, uh, we will see you in two weeks. You all have a blessed week now. God bless you. You go with God, and he will go with you. I love you all. Good night to everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.